Welcome back to Mastering You with Matt Sutton. Hey guys, hope you've all been having a great week. So in today's episode, we discuss a topic that we've not had before. Um, I always like to talk about topics that are, when it comes to health and wellness, are things that people just don't consider to have anything to do with health and wellness. And today's topic is very niche. It's what we're calling the mum struggle. And for all of the mums out there listening, you know, just within the first three or four minutes of this episode, you're going to you're gonna know what we're talking about. You're going to be able to identify and empathize with what we're calling the mum struggle. So sorry, guys, um, this episode is, I mean, you'll certainly get some benefits because we, we did go off topic and we talk about some other strategies. That, but this particular episode is very much for the mum, for the stressed out mum, for the mum that maybe should be putting themselves first, but everyone else comes first and that needs to change. And Kimberly actually works with these mums. She's a coach and a life coach. And I thought this was just a really important topic because it's something that I noticed many years ago as a personal trainer is how many of the ladies would come to us and they really sort of sacrificed so much over the last decade or so due to having children or whatever, um, working life, et cetera, et cetera. And they just not put themselves first. Their health had suffered and they had quite a big hill to climb. So yeah, I think it's a really important topic. Um, Kim shares lots of awesome strategies in this one. So for all the mums out there, take note. I think you're going to enjoy this one. And let's get straight into it. The Mum Struggle with Kimberly Keane. Kimberly, welcome to Mastering You. How are we doing today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. So we're going to talk about the mum struggle. Yes. <laughs> um, the mum struggle. What is the mum struggle? So the mom struggle is... You call it mom. To... mom. We will call, I call it mum. Yes, <laughs> I'm American, so we say mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I like mum much better. It sounds much nicer. Um, so the mom struggle is really trying to foster yourself as an individual person, but also being um, there for your kids and your family, but not losing so much of yourself that you become so consumed with your role as mom and partner and spouse and all of the things. So really trying to own that role 100%, but also owning who you are as an individual too. Yeah, yeah. So we, we had a brief conversation before the podcast and I was... You know, uh, just just for the listeners as well, just, to, you know, I always like to kind of remind everyone, you know, why we you know, LPT is, is my company and we, you know, we help people improve their life through health wellness strategies and we cover a wide range of topics. And the reason why we cover a wide range of topics is there's, there's so many factors in life that affect our health and wellness and the mum struggle, as you've just described it, is one of the biggest factors. I've, I've been personally, personal training and working with mums for some 15, 16 years. And it was probably around 10 years ago. It was just, it really hit me that this was a thing. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, and I guess it was just a, a state of how the world has transpired because, you know, it, uh, let's say in the last 20 years 
the working woman is flourished and which is fantastic but then obviously the old rules not rules but the let's call it the culture of you know mums being at home and the things that they did as well as working full-time and then losing themselves in the process and when I say losing themselves I mean you know losing sight of who they were and mm losing sight of the things that mattered to them and their own health and their own wellness and they'd maybe hit 45 55 and sort of be like wow this how did this happen and yes. and I, yeah and it's so it's it's something that I don't really hear getting talked about really that much so that's why I wanted to talk to you because obviously this is something that you you actually help mums you know with, with this I think it's a really important topic um so where do we start? <laughs> yeah, so that's a great question. I think the place to start is recognizing exactly what you said. It goes back to the culture, the expectations. So, you know, stay-at-home moms have the mom guilt because they're not contributing financially. And so they pour themselves into taking care of their home, taking care of their kids, making sure that their Instagram feed looks spectacular. You know, it's the Pinterest highlight of decorating the house for every holiday kids are wearing matching clothes but then the working mom has mom guilt because she's at work and so she's contributing financially so there isn't that guilt there but there's the guilt of oh i missed my child's end of school year performance i missed you know i couldn't take off of work to stay home with my child when they were sick my partner or my husband or my mom or someone else had to do that for me i'm behind on laundry i haven't cleaned my house in a month so they have guilt for different reasons but at the end of the day when we have that guilt we then pour even more of ourselves in trying to eliminate that guilt because the last thing we want to do is feel like we're not measuring up in some way shape or form and so when we pour into taking care of any everyone else and everything else more than we already are it puts our needs and our priorities in the back seat. So we don't eat the way that we're supposed to. We grab whatever we can. And usually it's the kids leftover peanut butter and jelly sandwich or the last few chicken nuggets that are left on the plate. And then we're you know, having caffeine binges because we're exhausted and we can't make it through the day. And, oh, I'll get to the gym tomorrow. Oh, I'll schedule that appointment tomorrow. Oh, I'll do that next month because there just aren't enough minutes in the day. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, a lot of that stuff is, is real stuff. And it's, you know, getting the kids to their clubs and sorting them out and sorting the house out there. You know, so what is your one of your how, how do you strategize this with the what mums that you work with? Where do you what's step one? Yeah. So step one is we we dig into why can't you say no? So what's the root cause of that? What's the root cause of the need for perfection and the need for people pleasing and all of those things? And it, and it usually comes back to childhood. There was something in their childhood where they were made to believe that they had to say yes to everyone because they were going to disappoint someone or let someone down. Or maybe that doesn't even go back to childhood, but it goes back to teen years or college years or even just adult years. Mm. There's this feeling of letting someone down. And so God forbid we let someone else down, but we will surely let ourselves down first. So really digging down to the root cause of, you know, what's the cause of this? Why can't we let go a little bit? And so when we dig into that, 
we can see where these patterns stem from. So it's all about creating a more serving pattern, but the trick is to doing it in a way that's gonna feel aligned with them. Because if you try and do something that isn't aligned with your current mindset, then it's not gonna be a long lasting result. It's gonna feel awkward, it's gonna feel uncomfortable and it's gonna feel challenging. So we're gonna resort back to our old ways. So for instance, um, a lot of times we feel like we have to give an immediate response. So if teacher asks from school, can you help me with this? Can you volunteer? Can you get this snack for this class party or whatever the case may be? We immediately respond and we don't give ourselves a chance to think, okay, do I have time for this? Do I want to do this? Is this going to bring me joy to do this? And then after we've in the spur of a moment said, yes, then we think, oh, I really wanted to say no. So what I do is I encourage just the first step is to just pause before we respond to something or someone. We don't have to answer the phone call right away. We don't have to answer the email right away. So I encourage my clients to just wait a half an hour. Think it through, sit on it for just a couple minutes. And then in that time frame, if you still feel like it's a heck yes, then go ahead and say yes. If you don't have that heck yes feeling, then the answer is no. And you can just say no with, thank you for thinking of me. It's not a great time right now. Yeah. Maybe next time, something like that. So I really work with my clients to do it in an incremental way so that by the time at the end of our eight session package time together, they feel empowered to make these choices on their own because they can see like, okay, I was able to make the change at the beginning and I understand how to make the change now and I can do it in a way that aligns with where I am in this journey. Yeah. And so there it makes it makes it more doable and it feels more um, realistic. Yeah, the, the not being able to say no thing, that, that was something from working with lots of mums myself, that's something I've really noticed. What, 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 what's the cause of that then? Is that, is that just because we so often, um, particularly mums, having to say yes to everything, in the, particularly in the early eight days of childhood or motherhood? Is, is, where does that start, that, that sort of nonstop yes, yes, yes? Yeah, so it... It's kind of a multifaceted thing. It's that feeling of of disappointing someone, you know, because mm. you think, oh, I'm a mom, people count on me. Mm. I have to be there for people. So we don't want to disappoint anyone, but we also don't want people to know that we're like the duck where we look like we're smoothing gladly across the surface of the water, but we're really frantically paddling beneath. And so we're worried that if we say no, to someone, then we look like we don't have it all together. And if yeah. we don't have it all together, then that means we're not doing our job as a mom and we're failing on some level in some way, shape or form. So at all costs, we do not want people to think that we do not know what we're doing or we don't have it together. So we will say yes, because it gives that outward appearance of, yep, I've got it going on. I know exactly how to manage all of this. I Bring it on, I can do it. You think, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's quite a cultural thing anyway, isn't it? People mm -hmm. saying probably yes to too many things and not being as true to themselves as they should be. Uh, we talk a lot on this podcast about, you know, defining your core values, knowing what's important to you, et cetera, et cetera. And when you yeah. do that work, it makes it easier to, to say no to the things that don't, you know, quite fit in. Um, also, just want, just want to go back to that step one, because you, you mentioned about, you know, looking at your, your, your other life, your previous mm -hmm. life, your childhood. 
and how if there are you know certain traumas from childhood if you've not dealt with them they can show up and this was a big breakthrough for yourself wasn't it it was so I was an elementary school teacher for six years. I thought I was going to teach until I was 90. And I ended up being that burnt out teacher who threw in the white flag long before that time. And that was devastating for me. And so I really was having a really difficult time grasping and adjusting to being a stay at home mom. That was just never in my realm of thought for myself. And so when I lost that identity of being a teacher, I was really, really struggling and having some not really healthy thoughts about myself and life. So I said, oh, I better go see someone. And so I I went to therapy and I thought the therapist was going to say, oh, easy peasy, Kim. It's an identity crisis. Three steps. Here you go. All good. (laughs) Done. And I was completely blindsided for the journey that resulted from going to the therapist because it was, oh, do you realize that you're codependent? I didn't know what that word was, never had heard that word. So then that was a learning process of that awareness of codependency and how that was showing up in my life as a human being, but as a spouse and as a mom. And then later it was, oh, do you realize that you're an anxious person? And I never thought that I was anxious either. And then it was, well, here, you should probably take some anti-anxiety medication, but I already saw myself as a failure. So that really wasn't an option for me. And then she said, do you realize that you're affected from childhood emotional neglect? And I had no idea. So in that journey, learning those three things, that became my focus. And I said, okay, I do not want my daughters to feel like this when they grow up. So at that point, my ultimate goal was to break the cycle of the way that I was showing up. And so um, it was a very challenging journey. And I felt really a lot worse a year and a half into therapy than I did when I first started. And so then I started working with a life coach and that was really where the magic happened um, because I learned the root causes of all those things and how to change them and work with them rather than just being focused on the label of those things themselves. Ah, that's a great point. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you, you, sometimes you have to dig deep into the, the areas that you maybe don't want to. But yeah. Equally, doing the work of how you come out of that sort of darkness is, is probably where a lot of people sort of fall short, right? Yes, absolutely. Because uh, it's scary. It's much safer, even though it feels horrible living the way that life currently is, it's safe. You know what's expected. You know you know this journey. You know where it's gonna get you. But if you step outside of that and you start working to heal whatever is going on in life, and it doesn't even have to be anything from childhood trauma. I mean, it could be an unhealthy relationship with a husband or a wife. And sometimes it's safer to stay there because I've been in that situation as well with um, a relationship in high school you know, being in a domestic violence, it was easier for me to stay there for five and a half years than it was for me to leave because I didn't know what life would be like on the other side of it. And it was the same thing with healing that trauma as an adult. I didn't really know what life was going to look like. And so that was terrifying because um, I'm someone who values certainty. So so to have a lot of uncertainty was terrifying. And I thought, I don't really know if this is exactly what I want to do. But at that point, it was like there was no turning back because I couldn't unknow what I knew. Yeah, yeah. And, and th- this is the thing, I suppose, if you, if let's say there's a mum's listening and, you know, they can definitely empathize and maybe they feel like they've got their own personal development work to do on their past as well. I suppose the big struggle is it that, you know, just like time is 
such a constraint in many areas of, of people's lives, you know, whether it's making time for their health, their family, making time to actually put the work in to start looking at that and, and doing what you did to work with your therapist and then work with your life coach. Um, that can be stressful in itself, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. How, do you, so. how would you suggest, you know, someone manages all that and, and goes about that? Yeah, so that was really a struggle um, because my husband has a crazy work schedule. And so I often, even after the pandemic, he still works a lot. So I often joke and say, it's like I'm a single mom, even though I'm married <laughs> because I, my husband is working a lot. And so when I was going to therapy, there were times that I had to bring my younger daughter with me and my, my older daughter was in school. And I really didn't like that because my younger was old enough to understand what was being said. And there I am crying. So it wasn't always an ideal situation, but I knew that I needed to go to that appointment. So I recognize that sometimes I have to do things in a way that I don't necessarily want to do, but I need to do that not only for myself, mm. but for my children and my husband. And so there were times where I was absolutely exhausted after therapy because I cried for a whole hour. And I mean, not just like a little sob, but like ugly face cried for a whole hour. So I then had to come, you know, my husband had to go to work. So there I am with my younger and um, I had to be okay with saying, you know what, I just need to lay down on this couch. I'm not going to fall asleep, but I just need to lay down for a half an hour. You're going to sit here on this couch with mommy and you're going to watch TV and totally take that guilt away from putting my child in front of the screen or saying you can play quietly with the blocks right here in front of me on the floor, but I am sitting down and I am taking a half an hour for myself. And I had to really work through that because I had this perception that if I put my child in front of the screen, or if I didn't give my child my undivided attention 100% of the time, then that meant I was a bad mom, mm. especially because I was supposed to be homeschooling her to get her ready for preschool. <laughs> so, gonna, yeah. There were things that I had to let go of, the stories that I had to let go of about myself and as myself as a mom and what was okay for my child. And that was really probably the biggest thing that I had to do initially was to let go of some of the expectations I had around what life should look like. How good are you at doing that now compared to, let's say, you know, I'm not sure how long this whole period has been going along. Eight but years. Eight years. Okay. Yeah. So how long, how, how better would you say you are now than eight years ago? Oh, vastly like night and day. Cause now I just say to myself, is it going to matter in five days? Nope. Five weeks. Nope five months? Nope. Five years? Nope. And if it's not going to matter in any of those timeframes, then I let it go. So um, that's been huge. And so I can, and there are times, you know, where I get stuck sometimes, but I know now how to work through it. So I don't get stuck as often. I don't get stuck as long and I don't go as deep in the story. So, um, so I'm much better now because I can say to myself, the other thing too, is I remind myself, you know, is someone else paying my bills is someone else parenting my child no it's all it's me so yeah. she gets a good they my girls get good health reports at the doctor they do well in school so I know that I'm doing okay there are times where I'm not perfect and there are things that could be better but all in all we're doing okay so I really just focus on that to move forward mm. yeah okay what would you say has been the biggest mindset shift that's happened that's allowed you to you know, because I think the, the the guilt thing, you know, particularly the mum guilt, that's such a such a hot topic. 
you know, I'm sure there's lots of mums listening who can really um, empathise with that. You know, what what would you say is shifted? Because I think perception's a big thing, isn't it? How you yeah. perceive a problem to be, you know, if your child is spending a little bit more time on the iPad or they haven't got good results at school or, you know, these things that they they're all small things and they 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 can build up and it can feel like the end of the world you know if one day you forgot to to do the thing that the school like it's one of those special days at school and you forgot to put the right kit in and <laughs> I was yeah. I was walking to school I was walking my kids to school last last month and um it was one of these I don't know not world book day but one of these days that they have and they were meant to be dressing up as something. And all of these kids had been dressing up. And uh, this mum was walking towards me and she just had, she just lost it because uh, she realised that she'd forgot to read the memo that her kid was meant to be wearing some sort of dinosaur costume or something that day. And I just sort of like giggled to myself. But that that can be what it happens, isn't it? Like, yeah. you know, but it's coming back to the perception of what's really matters you know, at the end of the day, your child is healthy. You know, you're being the best parent you can be. You're not all, you're going to make mistakes. You're only human. It's going to happen. And, you know, it's easy for us to say this in the moment, but I'm, I'm assuming that you, obviously you've got these strategies around helping people, you know, get that perception back and be able to be present in the moment and, and sort of control that monkey brain into kind of, you know what? Okay, I've made a mistake. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. And I use, so, so we've had that happen before too, where it was a day where we were supposed to wear something special to school and we forgot. And I just, oh, how dare you? I know, right? The nerve. <laughs> Terrible um, mother. So and even today, uh, my girls go to private school, so they have to wear uniforms. And so there's this special group of children, um, a choir from Uganda coming to their school today to perform. And every other Friday is a jeans day. So we pay $1 for the kids to wear jeans on Friday. And the music teacher who organized this concert said in her email last night, kids, you know, it's a jeans day so they can wear their jeans day with their concert shirt. So we got all ready. And then I checked my daughter's communication book that the parent writes in or, you know, she writes in every morning and the teacher signs off on it. And it didn't say jeans day. And it always says jeans day $1 when it's a jeans day. Uh, right. So I conflicting sources. So I'm frankly <laughs> texting a friend this morning and um, my daughter is in middle school and my, so I have a 12 year old and a nine year old, 12 year old is in middle school. They're very strict with the uniform there and making sure the students are following the rules with that. Lower school is a little more lenient. So I could have sent Casey, my younger in with jeans on and paid the dollar and it would have been okay. But my older, it would have not been okay. She probably would have gotten a detention. So I was in this crazy limbo of like, oh my gosh, do I send them with their dollar bills or do I have them change? So I'm texting fair, a friend. Fair world problems. <laughs> right, right. And so she responded to me after the kids had left for school. So in this panic, I was, girls, go put your uniform on, take the jeans off, put the uniform on. And then she sends me a text. She was like, it is a jeans day. It says it on the school Instagram page. So now my children are at school without jeans. <laughs> it happens. And so but here's the thing. It's like how, one of the ways to work through it is to have a conversation about what's going on. So when I get home, pick my kids up from school today, I'll say, you know what, girls, I'm really sorry. Didn't even think to check the Instagram page to double check to see if it really was a jeans day. 
we'll get it next time. Yeah. And so it's a really good learning experience for them too. That was the other thing I did realize is that when I put these unrealistic expectations on myself as a mom, I'm teaching my daughters that when they're adults mm. and they're moms and they're out in the workforce or they're in a relationship that they're going to have to behave that way and act that way and think yeah. that way. And I do not want that for them. So I would rather make the mistakes in front of them and show them how to navigate the mistakes than to put on this facade of everything has to be perfect. And if it isn't perfect, then that equals failure because we're human. So we're never perfect. We can strive to be our best selves, but perfection just doesn't even exist. And when we put that expectation on ourselves, we're really not living. We're kind of going in robot mode. So when I have this moment of where I make a mistake and I forget a library book in the kid's backpack, or I forget the dinosaur outfit or the jeans there or whatever, I tell them, girls, I apologize that I missed that. We have a lot going on with after school activities and I just overlooked it. But next time I'll try to be more on top of things or you, could you help remind me so that I'm giving them responsibility too. Mm. And it's not just all on me. Yeah. I guess it all just comes down to the art of community, good communication, doesn't it? It's something yeah. that I, something I've certainly learned as a parent is just telling your child off doesn't very rarely achieve much, you know? Um, yeah. Sure, it has a little bit of a merit now and again, but ultimately, actually having a conversation around things, there's going to be more lessons to be learned that way. What are some other key things that parents listening can be aware of in terms of bringing up their own children so that their own emotions aren't being passed down? Yeah, so... Um, so I am a part of the struggle then when in the beginning of the journey was that I was looking for everyone to validate me. So in coaching, I learned about the six emotional needs that Tony Robbins, um, created with a psychologist and I can never remember her name. So I apologize for that, but there are six of them. There are four primary and there are two fulfillment. So the primary are significance certainty, uncertainty, and then love and connection fall under one category and the fulfillment needs are growth and contribution. And so I ended up in this abusive relationship as a high school student from 15 until I was 21 because I was looking for someone else to meet those those four primary emotional needs for me. And then I left that relationship and I continued to do that in other unhealthy relationships. And I did that in my marriage. I did that in my job and I was even doing it with my kids. So I was this constant. And that was one of the other reasons for the constant saying yes and the guilt and all these things, because, you know, I was showing up and I was doing everything for everyone, looking for someone to say, Kim, you're amazing. Oh my gosh, you're the best wife ever. You're the best mom ever. You're just the best person, the best friend, whatever. And it didn't come. So then I felt disconnected from everyone and I felt disconnected from myself. And it was just so uncertain because I thought, okay, I just did this list of 30 things for all these people and I didn't get anything from it. Mm. And so then it was like, now what am I supposed to do? Now, how am I going to feel like I matter? Now, how am I going to feel like I'm loved and I'm connected with friends and family and and all of these things. And so when I was so focused on that, I really wasn't growing. I was contributing, but I really wasn't growing as a person. And so my girls very much know the emotional needs. So we talk about them. 
I, you know, oh, my cool. husband knows them. Yeah. So, um, so when my, when I first started teaching my girls about the emotional needs, my older daughter, Lily was like third grade and she would come home when we'd be riding home from school and she would say so-and-so and so-and-so were having a disagreement on the playground because they both wanted to be the ones who were singing in our little show. Was that significance? So she was starting <laughs> to analyze what was yeah. happening on the playground to try and process it. So she's like, and I told them, I'm like, well, how about you ask permission first? Don't go telling people about the emotional needs, ask permission <laughs> so that you're not upsetting anyone. But I really want them to understand how to meet those needs for themselves. And I also want them to see that I can meet those needs for me. My husband can meet those needs for himself. But when we do it for each other, it's an added bonus. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I like that. I'm definitely going to add that into my own parenting um, we have some good conversations. I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Steve Peters from the UK. He's wrote no. a, a couple of um, best-selling books on, on mindset. That the biggest one was the Chimp Paradox, um, but he wrote a follow-up book to the Chimp Paradox, uh, which was for children, and um, highly recommend it um, because you can have lots of conversations around what happens in the brain in certain situations with your children and. Yeah, me, me and my little girl today, we read that book probably two or three years ago. And today we can have conversations around why certain friends will say certain things and, you know, how she feels when she gets upset. And so it's, it, yeah, we can observe the emotion and, and discuss it rather than just being in it, um, mm -hmm. which, is, which is really crucial, isn't it? Yeah, so, it is. So you've gone through a couple of steps there, um, Kimberly you know, obviously identifying any past experiences is crucial. Um, what, what else, what would you say is like um, a, a next step? Yeah, so once you identify the past experiences, you see what patterns are showing up. So at that point, it's really about finding out the meaning. So the meaning behind why you're running the patterns and looking to see if that meaning is 100% true and how it serves you or doesn't serve you. So then you can start shifting that mindset and start creating more pattern, more empowered patterns that are actually going to serve you better and have the meaning that's the truth. So I often say, you know, um, I'll ask myself and I'll ask my clients, well, is that 100% true? Yeah. And if it's not 100% true, then we need to change it. In regards to looking at past experiences, I suppose that's really is something that you'd need to have a qualified therapist to work through with you to to really kind of do. Would it, or is there? Or do you have strategies to kind of start to look at your past yourself? So I found out about my past with a therapist, but I have clients who have never been to therapy, but they know that something isn't quite right, and so um, I am able to help them look at those past experiences. So I call it digging in the sandbox. And um, the difference is for me personally, when I was in therapy, it was kind of, re it was reliving that horrible experience over and over and over again. It was, right. well, tell me about that time. Well, how did it make you feel? And well, what, mm. what were you thinking? And it was always just that. So it was this constant conversation loop around those questions, but never really getting past that. So I never want my clients to relive that situation because it was awful the first time. So why do we want to do it again? So mm. the way that I ask the questions, I get just enough information 
from the situation to where I can say, you know, I don't need you to tell me about the sexual abuse in detail. I don't need you to tell me about the domestic violence in detail. We just talk about the situation in a way where we gather the meaning that was created after the fact yeah. and um, the things that they do now as a result of that. And from there, we can move forward and find the ways to change those patterns. Awesome, awesome. And what are some typical, you know, transformations or outcomes, things that happen? Obviously, I'm sure mindset shifts is a big one, but what, what are some big success stories that you've had? Yeah, so typically when clients start working with me, they feel like they're not able to navigate life on their own. So it's this dependency of, oh my God, I need a session. I need to talk to you. I need, I need, I need. And so by the end of coaching, just which is about a three month period, they have this sense of independence where they don't need me. And so on some level, it's really not a great business model because I'm teaching people that after eight sessions, you don't really need me. You're able to do it on your own because you know the recipe of a pattern. So you know, oh, there's the trigger, there's the meaning, this is the behavior that results in the emotion, and this is how you shift it. So they're able to take that recipe and they're able to manage their emotional state as they go through that recipe so they can see exactly where they're being triggered and what is causing the trigger and mm. how to sh how to shift it forward. So um, I was working with a mom who had a new baby and she and her husband were having a lot of struggles because it was this, uh, on some level, a power struggle she's home, he's working. So he had expectations of what the house should look like when she, when he gets home from work in terms of laundry being done, house being clean, dinner ready, you know, all of those things. But with a young newborn, that's not really um, always feasible. So there was a lot of argument about that. And so she felt like a failure as a mom because she wasn't contributing financially. She wasn't, um, meeting the things that he thought that she should be doing. And then she was always angry with him because she, she felt like he wasn't helping like, Oh, just because yeah. you work all day, doesn't mean you can't come home and give me a hand with dinner or laundry or cleaning. So they're able now to communicate in a way where they understand why the other is feeling the way that they are. So their arguments are less frequent and they're more of a discussion rather than a fight. And so she'll message me periodically and just say, you know, I feel more alive than I ever have. I feel like my I'm actually in control of my life and living it rather than life living me mm -hmm. because she understands what motivates and drives her because she's focused on her, her values, not yeah. the values of outside influences, but also she understands the... Um, motivation of her husband's behavior. So they have this much more clear perspective of each other and how to meet those needs for each other. Lovely. Nice. Great. Yeah. And when, when you feel like that, you know, people make better decisions. So every aspect of their life improves as well, doesn't it? And this is it something that, that we find with that, with our members, you know, when, when certain, you know, personal circumstances hit them, you know, obviously their health, is impacted the amount of training they can do their nutrition everything gets impacted so it's it's you know sometimes the problem isn't the problem is what we often say at lpt mm -hmm. you know people think when they come to us that their big problem is they're not motivated and they're you know they're not eat, they've not got good diets or not good training programs or a good mindset but ultimately when they dig a bit deeper, there might be some of these relationship issues that need sorting out first before they've got the headspace to actually think about anything else, let alone 
what they're eating and how many times a week they're exercising. Yeah. And I think that goes back to expectations of others. So um, it's, you know, people think, oh, because someone is counting macros and micros and weight weight training, all these things, then I have to do that too. Because if I'm not doing that, then I'm not doing it the Mm. quote unquote right way. And that's the same thing with moms. We see, you know, there's a mom who I used to work with and her daughters are about three years apart and they always wear matching clothes and um, always. And so my girls don't wear matching clothes. And so you know, there could be that story there like, oh, well, she has her girls in matching clothes and they're, you know, her daughter is learning to ride a two-wheeler and my daughter is the same age and she's not, so we look and we do this comparison thing and then it totally derails us because Mm. what's good for someone else isn't always good for us. Yeah, yeah. So um, knowing what you know now, what what would you tell your 18-year-old self about you know what 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 sort of advice would would you give yourself yeah so um first and foremost do what brings you joy even if it's not the popular opinion of others but also seeking external external validation is a recipe for disaster because it's never guaranteed so validate yourself first and then if you get that validation um from others it's just an added bonus so it's basically learning to love yourself and accepting you first yeah. before asking someone else to do that for you. Anything else that you tell yourself? Um, now I tell myself that would be no, helpful. No, you're 18, you're 18 year old yeah, self. Yeah, that I should have been saying at 18 yeah. is that um, don't take life so seriously. Yeah. You have to let go sometimes. That's a, that's a good one. I like, so yeah. It's a great way to end um unless have you got any other words of wisdom that you'd like to leave with um for our mums listening yeah so exactly just that so let go a little bit and recognize really what you can control and what you can't and so when you can let go and just allow yourself to be and take that pressure off it's going to make the journey much easier fantastic so this podcast is called mastering you Kimberly what does mastery mean to you or self-mastery What's the first thing that comes into your head when you think of mastery? Evolution. Evolution. Love it. Brilliant. Okay. Well, if there are any people listening, they really love the the sound of what you do and your coaching and they they feel like they can really empathize with your story and they'd like some help, where should they go? Obviously, we can put links in our show notes anyway. Where's the best place to, to find out more about what you do? So I'm on Instagram. So that's a good place. Or you can always go check out my website, which is kimkeen.com. Perfect. Okay. Well, we'll have links in our show notes for that. Um, Thanks so much for um, coming on today. Really enjoy this chat. It's been great. Yeah. Thanks so much. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Brilliant. Thank you, Kimberly.